Hey, Love Tuna family. Happy to be back. Uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, it's my friend Barnett, uh, who is a team rider advocate for Love Tuner. And he's this since a long, long time, long before it was mainstream. And I can tell that it comes from a pure place of love and from a pure place of his heart. So welcome, uh, Barnett. So glad to be here with you and with you. Bonnet, um, as I just said, um, for followers, you're a filmmaker, you're an author, and you're a teacher. And um, you even taught me stuff. Uh, you made me go back into where I got hurt as a five-year-old one. And mm -hmm. uh, we know that everybody has trauma going back, and a lot of trauma was never even revisited. And, uh, I know that later in life stuff like this comes up and we don't want to look at stuff like this. So what was your teaching because you told me that when you drive surfing you have a little boy sit there and you tell him that everything is cool. Uh, That's right. That's right. All day. I got that little boy. He's with me all day. But just so we all understand it because you are pretty sophisticated about this stuff but, and some of our listeners may be wondering, what, what are these guys talking about? Are they crazy? What are they talking about? So what I noticed is that as I go through my day, I'm flowing along, and then I have a thought, or I have a feeling. And the thought is, ah, oh, this doesn't feel good, or this is not a good idea, or I, this is not going to work out well or what if, or I could have, or I should have, or I would have, or if only, you know, a problem comes up. I worry about something. I call it awfulizing. I yeah. awfulize. Yeah. This awful thing, that awful thing, this awful thing. Um, we live in Malibu, we both live in Malibu, so whenever the weather gets dry and the wind comes in over the mountains, and for not offshore, I think, wow, this is fire season, I could uh, lose my house, I could lose my stuff. I awfulize, I make an awful story. And some of the awful stories are big, and some of them, some of them are little. You know, a friend goes out, I think, I wonder whether he drank too much, I wonder if she drank, you know, just, this could happen, that could happen. And that happens a hundred times a day. Things big and little. And I realized that every one of those tracks back to a memory. None of those thoughts and none of those feelings really has anything to do with now. It's always something that's happening in my flow of my day that is somehow similar or familiar or maybe the same as something from my past that I'm probably not even aware of. Mm. And it brings up thoughts and it brings up feelings, not about now from back then. From back when? Well, it's usually pretty far back. It's usually some hurt, some disappointment, some either a big trauma or a little disappointment, going all the way back to my youngest years, all the way back to the boyhood and it lives in my body. So even though my mind may forget it, 
My memory may forget it. It may not forget it, but usually it's forgotten. My body remembers. The body remembers everything. So something triggers something in the body, and now I'm awfulizing. It's always from the past. We never awfulize from the future. We awfulize about the future. We take the past, we throw it into the future, and we mm. say, well, what if in five years this happens? Another fire, or, or I'll get sick, or... We create our lives from our intentions and our imagination and our expectations. But often we take hurts from the past, we throw them into the future, and we awfulize. So I have a practice when I feel myself having thoughts and having feelings that are bumps in the present, I know this is from the past. So I go to that little boy, I just imagine him. I just imagine him sitting in my lap, sitting next to me, and I hold his little sweaty hand, and I say, calm down, brother, I love you. You're all right. I'll take care of you. You're not alone. You don't have to worry. I've got this in my life. It's not your job to worry about my life. I'm a grown man. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you. You're worried. I love you. Sometimes I put him on my lap when we're driving in the car. He's got his little hands on the steering wheel. I put him in front of me on my surfboard. I love, blow my love tuner with him. And this is 10, 15, 20 times a day. And then life begins to change. It begins to change because I'm not making decisions that I pretend are decisions being made by a grown man, but are really being made by a six-year-old. They're being made out of an emotional breakdown that tracks back to a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old. Mm. It's all relative. And if you're 20, then it's a four-year-old, then it's a three-year-old, then it's a five-year-old, then it's a 12-year-old. You work with what you have, but always know that thoughts and feelings that are distressing are never about now, unless you're standing in the middle of a road and a bus is hurtling at you, sure. or a car is coming at you, <clears throat> that's about now. Yeah. But if you're awfulizing, what if this doesn't look good, this could go bad, I'm doing a business deal, this could be great, this could also be terrible, yeah. you're awfulizing. Yeah. And that what's awful is a story that is held in the body that tracks back to an original hurt. We take care of the original hurt we, by loving, by giving safety to that little boy or to that little girl. And then we live the life as an adult because we are multidimensional beings. And the more we're able to become present with all the tools we have, with the love tuner, which brings you present, then how many of us have used the tuner and then you know, 20 minutes later we're in the car and 
the mind starts going somewhere else. Well, where is it going? It's going into the past. It's pretending it's about the future, but it's going into the past. So you're working with the love tutor, and it gives you more capacity to have an experience. It allows us to know this is what presence feels like. The here and now. The here and now. I have a particular resonance that I'm able to uh, attune to with the tuner. It gives me an embodied sense of what it's like to be here, right here, right now. And I begin to develop other tools to know what is it that's taken me out of that moment. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of history there for all yeah. of you. And well, what would you say, like in, in your teaching or when you have clients, I mean, I know that you try to get in the conversation, but what, what would you recommend uh, people that know something is wrong? You would tell them, go in meditation, use a love tuner. How do they travel back? How do they really look into their injury? Where do they find it? Do they need to consult you or can they do like a call with you? Or They're go on Skype, welcome whatever, to you know? call me and um, set up a Skype call if yeah. you're not local or to, um, you know, we offer workshops and if we want to do it in person, there are workshops and there's more information about some of the things that I offer and that I do on my website, barnettbain.com, and there'll be some information at the bottom of, uh, of this podcast. Um, and there are other places. It's not simply, you don't need to come to me. There are many, many places to find um, uh, support for us all to deal with um, connecting to wisdoms that put us more closely in touch with aspects of ourselves that are pulling us out of the present. So to make that a little clearer, we are taught by the cultures that we grow up in. We're taught that we our thoughts our beliefs that what goes on in our head is all real. We might be more empowered if we were taught from an early age, don't believe everything that goes on in your head. That yeah. would be really sure, helpful. Sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> that would be really helpful. But we are not taught that. And so every thought and every feeling uh, we believe wrongly is the sum total of who we are. Mm-hmm. What is liberating is to understand that we are multidimensional. There are many, many versions of us. There's me as a little boy at seven, at at eight, at 10, at 12. There's me on my marriage night. There's me at the birth of my uh, child. There's me at this success. There's me at this failure. And each one of these stages of life reflects a different version of my own ability to connect with uh, spirit, to connect with consciousness, to connect with friends, to connect with a lover, to connect. I have more capacity and sometimes less capacity. So when I can acknowledge that I am multidimensional, now I have more power. Now I'm able to see, okay, I'm like a deck of cards. 
They're all me. They're all versions of me. Which one am I playing? I have two or three that I play a lot. Mm. I play this, I'm habit, it's habitual, I play it, I play it, I play it. I have this set of habits and I do it all the time and I think that that's who I am. But what about all these other cards? That's who I am too and I can develop more closeness and tenderness with other versions of myself. And they are always making themselves known. Mm. As I said earlier, they're making themselves known whether or not I understand that those are different versions of myself. You know, I'm coming up here to meet you guys and a little voice says, you're going to be late. Oh no, you're going to be late. It's going to be a problem because you're going to push everything back and then I have a three o'clock meeting and now I'm fossilizing again. Mm. That's a version of myself. I'm pulling a card. I'm making decisions and having an emotional experience out of a habit. It's a particular card. Now, if I know that that's a particular card, I have more freedom. I can know, oh, I'm playing a card. I could play a different card. Now, the version of me that knows I am not just one personality, I am many. As Whitman, Walt Whitman, great American poet said, I contain multitudes. We contain multitudes. When I know I contain multitudes, I have already lifted to a different level of consciousness. Mm. If I know I contain multitudes, then the part of me that knows that can be generous, can be nurturing, can support all the other parts, can give love, safety, security, sense of well-being to all the other parts of me that don't know they contain multitudes. So now I'm aware I have a whole deck of cards, but one card is the only one that knows that. So one card knows this thought is from this card. This feeling is from that card. This feeling is from this card. This thought, I don't know what card it's from, but it's not from me. Mm -hmm. So I can now extend my consciousness to be loving to all these versions of myself. Now we begin to understand. But this one card basically becomes your joker. It becomes your joker. And, this is and the joker understands that if you take it all seriously, that's the joke. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's the joke. Yeah. So now the joker becomes the lover, becomes the king, or becomes the queen. Yeah. The joker suddenly understands, I can become responsible for all of the other ones, because all these other thoughts and all these other feelings, they're not about me, the observer. They're other aspects of myself, and I can give love, safety, security, to all of them. And when that happens, I begin to express my higher self in time and in space. I begin to have a different relationship, not only with these versions of myself, but also with God. Other energies start to come through me. Other resonance starts to come through me. Other frequencies start to come through me. In addition to the frequency uh, that is habituated, of a frightened young man, or a frightened boy, or a frightened entrepreneur who had a, a, a big success in business, or a big setback in business, something familiar comes up, 
I start running that. I can calm it down. I can recognize that's a version of me. I can say, I recognize it in any man or woman who had a life that I had would come to believe that these thoughts and these feelings are ultimate and real. Mm. And I can have compassion for that while allowing that I've grown enough to realize there's a bigger picture going on. That I'm the whole piece of it and that I can give love to each one. Uh, Bonnet, you know, like we, we talked about you're individually helping people, you're speaking at conferences, but there's one thing what I think is really interesting and not of our, our listeners notice. You're actually teaching at the Columbia University, what is one of the Ivy League universities in the United States, uh, spirituality program, and it's mindfulness, covers creativity, but it's the first time that a university is actually teaching this or even has a program like this. It's the first Ivy League university yeah. in the U.S. to have a um, postgraduate program, for master's level um, program in, um, in body-mind spirituality. So it's a, quite a remarkable thing, particularly because this is the key skill set going forward. We have um, so much access to knowledge, heretofore impossible. Um, so much access with, through tech and uh, through innovation that that is really as much as that is the frontier of uh, how the world seems to be growing and going forward. The real, the real frontier and cutting edge, uh, the real um, tools that are involved in being resilient in an age where if all knowledge is easily available, then there is so much chaos that's going on, depending on your orientation, either negative chaos or positive chaos, the uh, real skill set is to become resilient. We can only be resilient when we are right here, right now. And in order to be right here and right now, we um, have to develop a closeness and a tenderness with spirituality, with consciousness itself. It begins, it can begin. There's many places to begin. Mm. You know, where do you begin in a circle? It begins where you begin. But one place to begin is becoming mindful. And the point of becoming mindful is to become aware of what is moving through your thinking stream, your thought stream. And, you know, I have a particular focus, as I've been speaking about, that when we become aware of our thought stream, it's to know, well, what part of my thought stream, or another way to say it is, where is my thought stream being conditioned from? Almost always, a thought stream, whether it's mine or yours, is from the past. So it's one thing to be aware of what your thoughts and feelings are, to watch them, to let them pass through. The next level is, 
to be aware of your thoughts, to let them, but before you let them pass through, to realize where they're coming from and give love to that aspect of yourself because it doesn't ever go away. Where is it going to go when we become more... Uh, more involved in our own spiritual growth, our consciousness growth, we realize that we have many aspects of ourselves. They are always the present. We begin to take care of them. So mindfulness is about becoming aware of the family, mm-hmm. the inside family. Um, these are the tools that allow us to respond and to become resilient in the face of the kinds of challenges that come up through fast systemic change. We learn how to recognize what are my habits, how can I respond to the source of those habits, and then, and then I can become more present. So, spirituality and consciousness truly is the frontier. It truly is the boundary, the most critical resource and skill set for us to develop. And it is a wonderful and a wonderful um, indication that this is beginning to become more widely understood in the same way that the popularity of the Love Tuner is increasingly going viral. Mm. Uh, the general awareness of the importance of spirituality, of the role of spirituality in our lives, or, or more accurately, that everything about our lives dwells inside of spirituality. Exactly. Exactly. It's been not just in plain yeah. sight, everything yeah. else has been a function of it. Yeah, sure. So it is the higher ground. And that a Ivy League uh, institution is um, focusing resources on uh, creating curriculum at the postgraduate level of, in the psychology department uh, is a really wonderful a symptom. Yeah. And would you say, like, I mean, you know, what we see was also with Love Tuner and especially people who want to perform, and we have seen this with the athletes right away, they, they always went into, like, whatever, self-motivation and so on and so on, but now it's the first time that they see what, what we are preaching with, not preaching, but, yeah. but what is actually our, our angle with Love Tuna is to reconnect people to their soul. And, and what is the easiest thing to invite and bring your soul back into your lifetime right here, right now, and we fulfill your purpose than to invite the highest energy in the world, and this highest frequency is love. So it's a very easy, practical thing. But when, when you look at, at now at, at universities, when you look at uh, smart, big corporations or individuals who want to perform on a higher level, now suddenly, and it's a good thing, they recognize the spiritual thing way more, the, how important it is to really reconnect with your soul. I think that's absolutely true. That's been, it's my experience anyway. So we're both... Um, seeing the same thing and we're both moving increasingly in circles that seem to be reinforcing that yeah. same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And and you see also like because what, what is the interesting thing is in, um, in the Earth or our planet getting a higher frequency and people talk about going into the golden age and I have never seen in, in my lifetime 
any particular time where bullshit flies off like, like Nazi, like so fast, you know. I, I remember like 10 years ago, even five years ago, you had people, you know, sitting on there, riding the bullet, but yeah. being BS. And, yeah. and now it's like within a couple of months, you know, everything falls apart. Is, do you feel this? Do you, do you see this? I mean, you, you're, you're on a spiritual path for so long already, but the overall energy is higher. We, we have on a higher frequency. I feel it in my own life. Yeah. I feel it deeply in my own life. I have um, had many assumptions about life, including assumptions about spirituality, uh, that burned off. <laughs> yeah. And some, you know, folks, uh, Sigmar, because he's my friend, he knows this, uh, but you wouldn't know this, uh, literally burned off. You know, there was a fire here a year ago, exactly a year ago, and my house burned to a cinder. Um, and then afterwards, during the year, I had um, a weird um, physical thing that came and went, but burned through a whole lot of, of more of uh, ideas that were in many ways fixed ideas, things that I just assumed was the way the world was. Mm -hmm. And um, a sense that, a new sense that just because things have always shown up one way or another way, that doesn't mean that in the next moment it could all change. Both in a positive way and also in a constrictive way. Just because yesterday the sun came up over Malibu and the surf was great and the water was warm and the house was great and the fields were green, it didn't mean that in, that in two days later my house would burn to the ground. <laughs> would burn to the ground. So there's a kind of a humility yeah. that is a different expression of exactly what you're talking about. Um, the BS flies off quick and even everything that we think is beautiful and good and true flies off quick. This is the piece. So what is required to handle that is resilience. Mm -hmm. it, what is required is a higher frequency that puts us back into the moment, puts us back into the body. When you're in the body, you're in the world. If you're an athlete, you're better equipped to perform. If you're an entrepreneur, you're better equipped to perform. If you're a mom, you're better equipped to perform. And when I say perform, I mean you're better equipped to meet the challenges of being alive in the present, not from consciousness that is like an anchor being dragging around past patterns. These are past patterns. The whole challenge is to identify how much am I functioning from past patterned as opposed to being in the present moment available for something brand new. And this is another way to talk about humility. I, uh, being humble does not mean I walk around pious mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with my cap in my hand and being humble is even though every crow I have ever seen has been black, does not mean in the next minute 
that I might not see a white one. It means that I hold my assumptions about life very lightly. Mm. That's not such an easy thing to do. Sure, and, sure. and we have a lot of help yeah. to do that. I had yeah. a lot of assumptions about life. They got burned to the ground. That is not fun, I promise yeah. you. <laughs> but, but, you know, but after the tears, after the hurt, comes an opportunity to either double down on the hurt, all the versions of myself from the past who really know, yes, it hurts, and now we could all be hurt, (laughs) to, you know, let's not all jump on that pony. I will take care of you, I'll take care of you, I'll take care of all my down versions. But I am going to meet what is coming now from a different place. I will respond to all the parts of myself that know hurt as a habit and as a pattern. I'm going to be here, right here, right now, ready for, to meet whatever comes next. Mm. That's uh, why having a, an a ability and an awareness and a mindfulness to know when BS is being spun off, exactly. and even when wonderful things, they're being spun off too. So if everything is spinning faster and faster and faster, it is more um, critical than ever in order to lead um, a loving life, and in order to become a loving presence in the lives of others to uh, learn the tools that allow us to be like a flag on a pole, whipping in a hurricane, Mm -hmm. but the flag stays limp. Mm -hmm. The winds winds go crazy around it, but the flag stays limp. And every once in a while, it flutters up and reacts, and then has the tools to stay limp. And it creates um, a place of support a place of inspiration uh, for others mm-hmm. it matters and you know like uh, i want to explain this to our listeners because um we are talking here and we are both on a you know maybe a little bit further when it comes to spirituality and the impact on the life here and now but i want to tell our listeners that normally after what happened to you, losing a house and uh, you know leaving the house and thinking I'm gonna be back in five hours again, and then you come back to nothing, and then you go in for a small procedure, and you know the doctor uh, does something wrong. It was obviously malpractice, and you end up being for weeks, and you end up being for months in bed. Um, nobody would sit here or would come up, and the first thing what we talked about was like hey, what about the surf? And I mean, like, that even talking about surfing is in your reality right now is because you are not in the system where you would have gone to a doctor and said, listen, I feel so bad, give me medication. I mean, this is literally where your spirituality kicked in because normally I would sit here, I would not even sit here with you because if you would go on in the regular medical care system with no knowledge, they would have destroyed you, but you would not think about surfing. You would have even lost your own spirituality because it would have broken your willpower. 
but when was it for you, because I know you get angry, you're also a human being and we sure. human beings make mistakes, but at this point, at this turning point, like literally thinking mm. about dying or surviving, and I know my wife talked back then with your wife and it was not like, yeah. you know, walk in a park, it was like very serious, you could have died in this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but when did this point come in where, you know, this anger, what we all have, like passes and, you know, bam, I'm Bonnet, I am, and when it's did it come? such a great in? question. My biggest challenge, my biggest, biggest, deepest challenge was there was a point in all of this when I lost the connection. I thought I lost the connection. I experienced a loss of connection to um, what's more, I call it the more of me, to what some people might call it the, the sense of God, the sense of possibility or their, their future self or their higher self or their soul or however you want to call it. I lost a sense of connection to it. And then I thought, now I'm lost. So there comes a point, there certainly came a point for me, mm. and it, this may be um, something that others can relate to or have experience of or know of, and if so, that's, you know, that's powerful. There's a point in which I felt lost, that I have no uh, resources. There's no practical resources that are going to get me out of here. I can't pull out a hammer. I can't pull out a tool. I can't pull out a... And there's no inner resources that I feel connected to. And at that point, I thought I was doomed. And worse than doomed, I thought what I most relied on, which was my spirituality and my consciousness, I thought, was it always just BS? I... Was it always just a delusion? And now here I am and I'm spiraling out and I'm going to go under. And I don't have that faith anymore. It's gone. And I don't have much more than faith. I have a connection, a felt connect. It's gone. I don't know what brought me back from that. But it wasn't instant, and it wasn't overnight. It was, um, it was a few days, and then I, I survived. But I didn't have a sense that I had a future, because I didn't have. The, I no longer had that connection, and I went into um, grief. That was maybe the hardest experience of my life. to feel that everything I had that mattered most to me was gone. So everything is gone. And I didn't try to, um, I couldn't pretend, oh, I'll just suck it up. I'll crush it. I'll just move through here. I'll get pounded. I'll get worked, but I'll come out. I couldn't do that. Yeah. I just thought, this, if this is what it is, I couldn't push off the despair. So I, I went through that. And then um, over the weeks that followed, it came back. 
It wasn't anything I did, except maybe in retrospect, maybe I was willing to feel the, the despair. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But I don't have a prescription around that. I don't know. It came, I went through it, it came back. I went through, it felt like I went through hell, I made it out. It's made me more tolerant. I feel uh, less judgmental toward myself and yeah. even toward others. My wife says I'm kinder. Hopefully my friends say I'm kinder. <laughs> I I'll take a poll after. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like, you know, I've been, I, I've, lost the, I've been through a loss of faith. I made it out. So I can, I can have empathy and compassion for people who, have, who lose faith or have never had it and uh, who are operating in a world and they think they have to do it all. I get it. I understand it. And maybe, you know, maybe, um, maybe I can help. I'm willing to. It doesn't, I don't know that I can. But I'm willing to in ways that um, before probably weren't as, wouldn't have been as patient or as yeah. understanding. But you know, like I, I think it's so important that stuff like this gets shared, and especially with somebody who's so well-educated, you know, who is like on a very high level of spirituality and uh, ref so reflective and so aware. I think this is, this is key to bring this out because everybody, you know, when it's black or white, you lose sometimes your, your, your face. But I think what is more important is that everybody knows that it's always there for you, you know? It's your own will that makes you step out of this connection. You, you can plug into it right away, and it's instantly. And I think most of the stuff, is, it's like very painful to actually see your own doubt, you know? Super and, painful. And this is... Uh, yeah, that's not even enough of a word to suggest how lonely to feel that you, to, to have an experience where you lose that connection and now you are alone in the universe. We're unequipped to uh, handle mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That is, that is um, very difficult. It's not true, but what's true in our minds is true. We think it's true. So if we think it's true, we have a, 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 a pretty tough experience. The higher truth is that we're not alone. Mm. It's a crowded path. It's a very crowded um, path of love, very crowded. But we get into these concepts. We get into our own psychology about things. And in there, there, it's a prison, and there's no room for the love to penetrate. But it's a crowded path of love. And uh, on a daily basis, I don't think anybody needs to go through uh, that kind of deprivation where they feel severed from the love. But on a daily basis, to remember the love, we have a challenge, we remember the love, I have a setback, I remember the love, I can remember the love either 
the love of my friends, the love of um, my life, of nature, of surviving, the love of being an ex a spiritual explorer. You remember the love, it lifts you. You, you know, we have tools. You, you tune, you remember the love. Absolutely. The tuning is not the end. The tuning is a reset. It's a reset. Don't ever think it's the end of anything. It's the beginning of something. It's a reset. You remember the love. Exactly. And I think what we should do now we is should tune. <laughs> we should tune and send some, some positive frequencies and some love vibrations into the world yeah. and say thank you to Barnett for joining us and sharing his wisdom. It was great. Let's have a tune.